0: Hello, and welcome to Unhedged, a candid discussion of markets and mechanisms. I am your host, Frank Troyce, a 25-year-plus veteran of the markets, both bull and bear. Joining me on the show are market participants ranging from hedge funds to fintech, and as diverse and eclectic a group as winemakers and priests. All of us, like you, asking the same question we all do when we turn on the TV nowadays. Why? Unhedged is a weekly podcast, and on occasion a bi-weekly podcast, based on the subject matter. You can subscribe to Unhedged through iTunes. As always, your feedback is appreciated, both good and bad. So let's get started. Today's broadcast is brought to you today by Oracle. Oracle helps customers develop roadmaps, migrate to the cloud, and take advantage of emerging technologies from any point. These include new cloud deployments, on-prem environments, and hybrid implementations. Oracle's approach makes it easy for companies to get started in the cloud and even easier to expand as business grows. For more information, go to sohocap.com slash unhedged, and we can provide free cloud credits to our listeners. Hello, and welcome back to Unhedged. Our guest today is Steve Monaghan. And uh, Steve, you know, I'm noticing, uh, I'm getting used to this kind of radio voice with a, with a microphone. I have to get used to this. And uh, do I have as much of a baritone that it sounds like on my end or, or no? You know, honestly, Frank, all I can just say is it just sounds tremendously
1: su- you know, sexy. I, I only hear you in person, and, and you're not that impressive <laughs> in reality. <so.
0: laughs> it's like the old joke, I have a face for radio, so I guess I'll stick with that. Yeah, that's sounds See, good. You know, you, you you were talking earlier about um, uh, the different cultures. And, and w- one of the things that, that the question gets asked a lot, you know, when when you look at Singapore, uh, I, it was, I was talking with somebody yesterday who uh, does a lot of work in the Philippines. And it, it uh, just the geek in me, I find it fascinating that Singapore geographically is almost the same size as the U.S. military base in the Philippines. So here you have a country, a, a nation state, which technically is the size of a county in the United States or a military base in the in the Philippines. And you know, you you've been here longer than than, and you know the country much better than I have. I mean, how the heck did these guys do this, and and how did they become relevant in the discussion globally? Uh, you know, why, why is the world now paying attention to this country? Well, I think you know, of course, you you know the
1: story of Lee Kuan Yew, but the uh... He began, uh, he began with really little choice, right? And basically cut off from, from Malaysia, set up to fail and failure wasn't an option from him. And, uh, you know, he took it from there. He, he built a discipline, um, a very strict discipline in Singapore, I must say, but he had a vision for what he could do and he, he really executed against it. And I think it's really as simple as that. I mean, his, the, the challenge he had was you know, immense. Um, but what he did is he, he really understood. You know, he'd been to Oxford, he'd understood the West, and he started to fuse Asian values with Western business execution. And so, in other words, he took that core from abroad and and, and made the context uh, correct for Singapore. And he, he built his, not just his own economic model, but he built a, a political model that was quite unique in the world as well. So, and I think that that's created this framework of security. He, it was almost like uh, Maslow's, uh, sorry, um, Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs. You know, he saw. Security, he sold food, he sold mm-hmm. water, he sold mm-hmm. all the basics, and then he built this, you know, tremendous asset. And unlike many other places in Asia, you know, he didn't uh, didn't hide all the money off in a in a Swiss bank account abroad. You know, he focused that, that investment and uh, in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Right? So, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of of what they've done there, and uh, and they've become leaders around the region in terms of framing. Um, you know that model and uh, and framing corporate execution with Asian values. I think that's uh, that's been one of the great legacies of Lee Kuan Yew.
0: You know, and, he, and to your point, he, I, I think he's going to go down as, as as probably one of the least understood figures. Uh, uh, you know, from a government standpoint, and, and to your point, when you when you look at the ethical issues that like what he could have done if he wanted to. And he didn't, you know. He he really was nation first in in terms of what he did, and and uh, um, you know, and, and when you look at how easy it could have been for him to slide back and, and position the family a certain way, or or, or do, and they didn't. And and uh, I, I think one of the things that that I'd be curious as to your thoughts on is that you know it seems that I still remember again being roughly the age of the country. I still remember. Early on that it was, you know, they were kind of initially, you know, low cost electronic products and, and manufacturing. And, you know, now you fast forward to where they are today. And, and I get the sense, though, that now they they they've kind of they're reaching this next point of transition. And what what, what do you think the country needs to do now to reinvent itself as, as it goes forward? Because, you know, they, they or, or have they just peaked? You know, is, is, is this truly the end of the road for them? I personally don't think they've peaked, but it's very
1: obviously um, the case that they need to move. And, and they're doing that. One of the good things in Singapore, they tend to propel things. They don't let them evolve naturally. Um, so once they make a decision to get behind it. So if you have a look at creativity, for instance, you know, something that was quite severely lacking, quite honestly, in Singapore, it was, you know, it's very much uh, an A to B market. If A and B are defined, they will execute brilliantly which is why they were fantastic at manufacturing, mm-hmm. etc. But you had, you know, very few world-class in, uh, entrepreneurs coming out of Singapore uh, because it was highly prescriptive. Uh, I think the chairman of Creative wrote a book called Nuts, No U-Turn Stupid, one of the only markets in the world where you're told mm. where you can do a U-turn versus where you can't, you know, and so it was, it was a very directed market. Mm. Um, and I think the Singapore government's well aware of that and what they've positioned for now. And, and you know, they've taken a huge leap forward in school curriculums recently uh, and examinations, which I would have thought was impossible Mm. from the Singapore standard. Um, you know, so I, I have, I have, uh, I have some degree of faith that they will, they will execute against that creativity agenda in in ways that were unthinkable, quite frankly, when I first got there, because I mean, there was no arts movement. There was no, you know, you couldn't really say anything. There's, then there still is a speaker's corner where if you, if you have a liberal opinion, you're, you're, you're stuck out in the sun in the corner. Um, You know, but, but honestly, you know, now versus then uh, the place really has opened up massively in terms of giving people voice. And I think that, uh, you know, I actually wrote a paper when I exited and I said, you know, if you look at the last years of, uh, of Singapore history, it's about the government asking the people to trust the government. And I said, creativity is the opposite. The government has to trust the people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, uh, that was about 10 years ago when Mm -hmm. I left in Mm -hmm. 2003, and, uh, you know, if I look at the subsequent 10 years, you know, it's definitely moving in, in that direction. So
0: it's, it's really great to see. And, 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 and to your point, they've actually, you know, like methodically accepted the, the extraordinary diversity of these cultures and, and, and alongside that the extraordinary depth of, of each religious branch and facet and, and I, I remembered when, when I, I never knew this and, and, and until I came here where, you know, even on the housing side where there's a, there, there's almost a formula to how they are purposely mixing. There is a formula. There is a formula. Um, and I think that that's a phenomenal
1: thing. They're focused on integrating all of these people into a society, right. And all these different views we're in the West, people tend to gravitate to what they're familiar with. So you create almost, you know, Chinatown is a, you know, where all the Chinese will go and live around Chinatown, Koreatown, you know, but what Singapore have done is, is blend the richness of all those cultures together, which makes it a fascinating place. It makes it a great place to eat too.
0: Yeah. And, and, and to your point, like it's not uncommon where you, you could literally see a mosque, a temple and and a church on the same block right next to each other. But that's done deliberately, you know, to force to force these folks to interact and and talk. And and to your point, you're not in a, uh, you know, know, like, you know, back in the States, you know, you had Little Italy, you had Chinatown. I mean, these were bona fide neighborhoods. Like when you went in there, that's all you, you were. It was almost like you went to a different country.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and I think that's a fantastic thing is uh, if you look at that diversity and those intersections between the cultures and that richness, I, I think that leads to creativity. It makes an inevitable conclusion. You know, if I look at my innovation teams that I've run in the past, they've been by definition, because I have just looked at the, at the talent, multiracial, multicultural, you know, different diversity and background, you know, and, and it's been uh, remarkably successful.
0: So when you were here in Singapore prior prior to uh, to us meeting, where 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 did you start? Because because now, again, forgive me for leading with my chin, but whenever I hear you know you know my opinion about fintech, you know my opinion on you know disruption, disintermediation, all these expressions that people throw around. But when you were here, I mean, there there wasn't a blueprint for you to work from. It wasn't like oh, here's the workflow for innovation. I mean, you you were you and your colleagues, you know, were were effectively you know like. For, you know, the founding fathers of this stuff. And I think that's important for our listeners to understand. So when you, when you saw that, you know, maybe, maybe we can take people a little bit through the, the arc of your, you know, like one, why would you do something like that? Cause it's insane. And, and, you know, cause nobody had done it before. Uh, you know, now it's like, you know, it's, it's like, you know, vanilla ice cream. Everybody now is an innovator and disrupting and disintermediating, but, and then, two, maybe you could talk a little bit about your journey. Because to to your point, I mean, just you know, it's one thing to to have a bunch of Aussies or Americans and say, okay, we're going to do a project. But your, your teams were so incredibly diverse. I mean, you effectively were working with the United Nations. Right. It. Okay. Um. So when I when I returned to Singapore as as Chief Innovation Officer at of
1: DBS Bank, you know, it was it was a bit of a, a tall order. You had a sleepy government bank. Um. You know there. The you know, Purushan team had done a great job in building uh, a momentum and, and a re-belief in the brand, et cetera. Um, but coming from my perspective, coming from a technology background and having worked across banks and institutions in multiple markets, started to really appreciate what was possible with technology uh, and the ability to automate. And so what we, what we looked for, firstly, the team that we began uh, there was, was hugely diverse from uh, countries across Asia, Pakistanis, Vietnamese, English, you know, all sorts of things. Um, and then, uh, and then we started to look at projects where we felt we could really make a step change from a technology standpoint, you know, to completely change customer experience, uh, working with other, other great leaders like uh, Katan Samani to look at how you redesign the customer journeys back into the bank, you know, and it, all of that met with resistance and all the resistance that you'd, you'd expect, right? Um, but it was, you know, if you understand tech and you understand physics and you understand the power of networks, Fintech's an inevitable conclusion. you know. So many of the projects that we brought up in, in DBS went on to, to do great things. And of course, once that infused into the organization uh, through folks like Neil Cross, um, then you started to really see that compound effect and that compound payback. So a very interesting journey, um, but uh, I, I think uh, that landscape is changing tremendously because if you look at financial institutions, be it insurance, be it in banking, these are just mathematical institutions. They don't really move physical products, need physical branches, all that sort of thing. So you can highly automate what's done within these institutions, and they're completely nowhere near reaching their potential yet from a digital standpoint.
0: You know, and it's interesting. You're you're you're, you're name dropping, and for for. Uh... Uh, for our listeners who are, who are hearing, uh, you know, Ketan and Neil's name, I mean, the, these, you know, I'm going to pick on you guys and say that you're the old founding fathers, but I mean, you guys were really at the cusp. Uh, you know, all of you then went on to become, you know, massively engaged as, and this is when all the titles came out, you know, chief innovation officer, chief digital officer. <laughs> so, and, uh, I think that was your other pioneering thing was, was, was creating all those acronyms. Yeah, well, Singapore's full of acronyms,
1: so we just needed to add a couple more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, what, what was the the you know to your point the I'm going to play devil's advocate with you. Um, I I think one of the the great things that you guys were able to achieve is that, and again, Singapore's always been very upfront. It's one of the reasons why they they brought the expat community in was was to try to inculcate some of that. You know, I remembered when I came in, it was like, you know, they were very blunt. They're like, look, we need an entrepreneurial, risk-taking, crazy American to come in. You know, and we might ignore you 98% of the time, but we're hoping that 2% is actually something valuable. But how did you motivate the teams? Because culturally, you know, the, 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 the mindset's not one of taking that type of risk. You know, how did you move people out of that nine-to-five mentality and starting to think about, you know, actually questioning what they were doing?
1: Firstly, I think for me, innovation is more about inevitable conclusions, right? So the question isn't if it's going to happen. It's just a question of when and can you make it happen? And then the second part of, the, of that equation is really empowerment, right? If if you dictate these things, it just doesn't work in the Asian environment and it really doesn't work in the U.S. environment either, um, you know so you've really got to you know create a movement get people behind you get people to share your vision and the most important thing for me was have the humility to pass it off i mean i've had people present you know a spreadsheet mm-hmm. that turned into a, you know a business worth hundreds of millions um, you know present my own spreadsheet back to me and as theirs and i just said wow that's fantastic because the moment i said that they owned it right? Which is actually the, the impact that you mm-hmm. want, mm-hmm. you know? So, so many, you know, I think the, the hardest thing for being a, 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 an innovator within a corporate environment is actually having the humility to let it go. I mean, there are things that DBS is doing now that they've got no idea where it came from. Uh, and that's a good thing, right? Because the people that need to own it, own it. And that transform, yeah, that's when you get transformation within a corporation. If it's owned by a small group of people to the yeah. side, it's going to remain a very small business off to the side, you know, so that trans, you know, transfer uh, transference of ownership mm-hmm. becomes the most important thing that you can do.
0: Well, Steve, why don't we, why don't we take a quick break? Um, and what I'd like to do, if you can indulge me with just one more, uh, one more go at it is I'd, I'd like to drill down. And and again, uh, even though, you, you know, we, we tongue in cheek joke around about FinTech and, how much of it's real and how much of it's vapor, but but I think there's a lot there that our listeners would be interested in, especially as it relates to some of the work that you're doing now, and, and more importantly, I want to bring it full circle back to your your Asia growth story because I think uh, folks need to realize that it, it's not done yet. Would that be okay? Yeah, done deal. Thanks. Perfect. All right, folks, stay tuned. We will be right back. Today's broadcast is brought to you today by Oracle. Oracle helps customers develop roadmaps, migrate to the cloud, and take advantage of emerging technologies from any point. These include new cloud deployments, on-prem environments, and hybrid implementations. Oracle's approach makes it easy for companies to get started in the cloud and even easier to expand as business grows. For more information, go to sohocap.com slash unhedged, and we can provide free cloud credits to our listeners. And that'll do it for this week's segment of Unhedged. As always, thank you for tuning in, and we'll look forward to talking and speaking next time. Take care.